Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bibles director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Mavs Sports Take. We are episode 22 here, live with you all here on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever you need your sports knowledge. This is your weekly podcast for sports, business, and more. We're going unmuzzled tonight because it has been a very adverse season to say the least whether you are from a college football nfl high school angle scouting whatever we are we're going on muscle tonight because there's a lot of news to digest college football pro football sports as a business we're going to give you some of the top current nfl draft orders for tonight if you were with us last week you know that we went through some of the nfc teams we're taking a look at the afc side of things we're taking a look at their quarterback situations. We're going to throw in some GM talk. We're going to throw in some head coaching talk. But before we do, I'm Ryan Roberts, of course, here with you, Mr. David Turner. David, we have a lot to get to tonight, so keep this one brief. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well and ready to rock. Let's get it on. There's a ton of information, a ton of fun stuff to talk about tonight. The first wide receiver to win the Heisman, we have to start this, since 1991, Desmond Howard, former Super Bowl MVP Desmond Howard with the Green Bay Packers. And not only did he win, and I, I wasn't too shocked. I mean, we should start on that. On that. I, they, they, my reaction when you said that, uh, you texted me, and I was like, no-brainer. Like, <laughs> seven, He wins by 700 votes, which is a very big margin for people that don't know, especially for a wide receiver, again, that has not won the award in 20 years, which right. is yeah. monumental, and it's n- noteworthy. But I would say, this is my opinion, every week, and people know that I have some – I'm a little tentative with Devonta Smith if we're talking 2021 NFL draft because his frame, it's a bit of an outlier. I know we've gone a little back and forth. You don't think it's quite a big outlier as I do, but he is a guy that there's a little, it, I don't want to say troubling projection because he has continued to defy all odds, but he's not your clear cut. He doesn't look like a number one wide receiver, you know, on the hoof, but every week I tune into to Alabama Crimson Tide, David, because they're always on TV because they're a big market. And he has dominated every football game this year. We gotta think on a guy like him as the smooth the smooth route runner that he is. Not you know, to me, I don't think he's an explosive speed guy like a Waddell or some, but you know, he's more of a smooth route runner. You gotta start my comp to him really is Marvin Marvin Harrison. Like Marvin yeah. yeah, and Marvin is you know was fast, and then he, as he got a little older, and his he became more like what Devonte is right now, which is a smooth route runner, smart kid, wiry frame, but you know the guy just knew how to take hits, so he didn't get hurt. He knew when to go out of bounds, when to go down, 
and and his body control is just is, is really something. When you watch him catch the ball against Ohio State coming up in the national championship game, that is if they hire because COVID's running, I guess, loose over at Ohio State right now. Right. Um, you're going to see Devontae Smith's body control, uh, soft hands, uh, ability to track the ball, all that stuff, which, again, as scouts we watch, we equate to bigger numbers. We value, you know, when we start doing our value charts a little bit more. So he might not be a 4-3, you know, 40 guy. He, I think he's still going to clock in the 4-4s. Four I think he'll be a 4-4-7 four, four, to a four five zero type guy, which is plenty fast enough, especially with good route running, concentration, and hands like he has. It's gonna. I think he's gonna be a very impressive next level guy. I know you really like other receivers in this draft class more than him, but right. to me, I think he's gonna be a a big target for whatever team he goes to. Well, I'm just a guy like I like. I like. I mean, Jamar Chase. I feel like a right. lot of people you love him. about Jamar Chase because at 19 years old. Last year, on the best team, one of the best teams in college football history, the LSU Tigers, on a team with Justin Jefferson, who might win Rookie of the Year, maybe, probably not, because it's a quarterback-driven award. But he's oh, in the conversation. He might, he's, he's in the conversation. Yeah, he's him and Jonathan Taylor are in the, that conversation. I mean, JT over the last couple weeks, who was my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year? That was my pick, if you remember. It's not gonna be right, so who cares? You know? It doesn't matter. He's gonna be. He's in the conversation late in the year. We didn't think Joe Burrow was gonna have the season Joe Burrow had, and if Joe Burrow finished out the season healthy, oh, he would have won. He, he would have won. won. He landslide because Joe oh. Burrow has had an amazing rookie year up until getting hurt. Well, Justin Herbert though just set the the touchdown and, record for a yep. rookie. So yeah, no Herbert again. He's done um, the, this rookie class has got some amazing young talent in it. With, with no off-seasons, really, either, right. which is the crazy part. And then, like I was saying, Justin Jefferson, 1,400 yards as a rookie. That's bonkers. That's insane. So mm-hmm. he, last year, Jamar Chase was on a team with him. He was on a team with Terrace Marshall Jr., who might be a first-round pick this year, another LSU receiver that came back, and he had a nice season. He had 13 catch, touchdown catches last season with Chase. But still, even with that crowded room, Clyde Edwards-Slayer in the backfield, Jamar Chase has over 1,600 yards and like 20 touchdowns as a 19-year-old sophomore. And I feel like people are forgetting about him because you haven't seen him this year. So, like, I get it. I get it. Kind of, you know, out of sight, out of mind. To a degree. Yeah, Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? Right. So, what have you done for me lately? And, yeah. you know, he's kind of cast off a little bit. But, you know, I, I feel like he's – I think he's the best receiver in the draft. I mean, I'll, I'll, here's a hot take. I don't know if you agree with this. Healthy. I'll take Jalen Waddle over Devonta Smith, too. That's just me, though. It's just me. I, 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 I'm a huge heart waddle. I'm a huge heart fan of this guy. Last year when I was watching Judy and all them, I text the, the director of college scouting for the New York Giants. And I said, if you watch the 17 at Alabama, his stop and start is ridiculous. And he was like, he's like, he's not, he's not a draft eligible. I said, well, don't get distracted then when you're watching the film because he's going to pop off the tape for you, for you. And he's, and he gave me the little uh, laughing out loud because he was just like, really? And I was like, yeah, Waddle's something special now. And again, he's a triple threat, kickoff, punt returns, uh, you know, can he take a reverse to the house. I mean, his ability to, when the ball gets in his hands, he's got that special speed. He's nuts, dude. He is nuts. Wide receiver class. And they're saying he might even play on Monday night. Like, well, I, I think that's a smoke screen, right? Like they wanted to, be, to get oh, him to prepare thing, for it or something. We have to repair. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Waddle might play. We got to repair for it. You know, coaches. That's coaches talk, man. Yeah. Like, oh, that guy might play. Oh, okay. I need to 
spend another 10 minutes in practice preparing for this guy because he throws in a different wrinkle. That's the coach's thing. So. They might even let him warm up, but I don't – I mean, if he steps on the field with that gruesome of an imagine? injury, oh, Can my. I, I can't imagine him or his agent or his parents telling him to step on that field after David. that gruesome of a of an injury. David, he doesn't have an agent yet, okay? Of Nothing course not, official. yeah. Nothing no, of course, Let's not for honest. the last two years, no, of course not. Like I said, we are live here, so we're going to get some some comments in here. Appreciate Alec for you throwing in comments. Throw in as many. Throw in some questions if you want as well. Alec Polito, good friend of the pod, said Makai Becton, rookie of the year. Maybe if we were Brian Baldinger, if we if we you know if, yeah. if the former offensive lineman in the room were making these votes, I'm down with you, man. But that's a quarterback award. Let's be honest. And then we had a wide receiver that broke the rookie receiving record. So hey, those are your guys. Those are your guys, in my opinion. We want to. Oh, actually, that's a great segue. Oh, what a great segue. I didn't even catch it. it was a great segue. <laughs> Tomorrow, Wednesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern time, Friday night, uh, not Friday night, Scout School, Baldy's Breakdowns will be at 9 o'clock. Sign up at NFLDraftBible.com if you wanted to go to the film room. Breaking down nice layup, Alec. Nice layup right there. <laughs> Alec, you're the man. I don't even know why I thought of Brian. That wasn't even an intended segue, but Alec, you're the man. Throw some questions in the chat. Everybody else out there, I think we got like 20-something in, in the chat right now. If you want to throw in a question, we appreciate you all for being with us tonight. So we want to kind of get into some AFC teams, state of the quarterback position, general manager, head coach. We're going to do it from a draft order perspective. Before we do, before we get into what we are here to do, we want to tell you about what we're doing here at Maverick Sports Consulting. We would like to invite you to a free seminar this Sunday, that actually passed, so I'm not reading that, That um, David. I don't know why yeah. that's still in there. So we're going to skip that. But yeah. I will tell you, David Turner is doing some great things at Maverick Sports Consulting, and we just had a free seminar this past Sunday where we went inside the NFL draft process for a lot of people and a lot of players and a lot of agents and a lot of parents that don't know what to do right now with the state of the world. Will there be pro days? Will they be canceled? Will there have be team visits? What is that process going to look like? So we went in with a great amount of industry professionals from varying backgrounds, from insurance to scouting to agents to the whole perspective. And we said, this is what we can lay out to because the best way to make a decision is to get as much information as possible to make a well-educated decision. So that was a great event. I know, David, and especially maybe you can speak from Maverick Sports Consulting's perspective real quick. That is your goal is to make these athletes, these these industry professionals, more educated in the process and what scouts potentially look for. Absolutely. The whole creation of Maverick Sports Consulting started with uh, interview prepping for Giovanni Bernard back in 2015. We, we were invited in to teach him how to handle the business side of the interview process. It's not just all X's and O's. It's also knowing how to take the opportunity and maximize it from a business sense. What kind of questions are these interviewers going to ask you as the interviewee and why are they asking you these questions? So as, an inter- as a former interviewer, a former director of player personnel, former uh, assistant general manager in professional sports, I can give my clients the ability to know what's on our mind. So when a question comes their way, they're not surprised. They're not going, well, why are they asking me this or why are they asking me that? I'm giving them the background on it. I'm giving them the understanding of it. And we've had some great clients like Odell Beckham Jr., Todd Gurley, uh, 
Dante Fowler, Marcus Peters. You know, we've we've done some high high profile, high clients, but we also go all the way down to undrafted free agents just so they don't get passed over. They're able to tell their stories in a concise manner and in a way in which they can effectively communicate to the decision makers why they should be their pick, their guy, the one that gets the contract over somebody else. The interview process is often the only even playing field because when you start con- you know, comparing and contrasting quarterbacks to receivers like we were just doing a quarterback to uh, offensive lineman for rookie of the year, right? It, it, there's no common ground. The stats aren't the similar. But in the interview process and the kind of person, the kind of man you are, the kind of way you handle yourself during this process as a professional will tell them if you're the one they should invest in. Because that's what we're really doing here, guys and gals. We're turning the dial from being a scholarship athlete to a professional athlete. That means you're asking them to give you a paycheck to play football. So if you want to know more about Maverick Sports Consulting, go to maverickSportsConsulting.com. Look at our packages. Look at what we can do to help you in this upcoming season, the off the field information, the interviews, the follow-up, the contacting, the social media, all that stuff is going to play really big part because the in-person contact is going to be limited for these teams. We're even seeing it in this coaching process. A lot of these coaching and GM interviews going on right now as we speak are Zoom calls. They are not in person because there's rules in place right now. Yeah. And it's not only just making the decision, it's understanding what the best steps are once you've made that decision. Mm -hmm. So please make sure maverickSportsConsulting.com. A lot of great things, a lot of of consulting aspects that you might not even think about too much, but you should definitely take a look. It's pretty eye-opening just to understand what people are going through and the decisions that they they make in a very short amount of time because we're still still stuck to a January 18th um, declaration day. So – only a couple of weeks here for these guys to make the decision. So big moments. Want to get into some of the draft order. Obviously, for a couple of weeks now, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been locked into this first overall selection after it looked like it was the New York Jets for the longest time. So let's start at the top. Actually, let's not start at the top because <laughs> the the assumption is okay. Assumption: Trevor Lawrence. And if I was the, if I was the general ma- the future general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If I was the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, if I was the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, it would be a no-brainer for myself. But here's a rumor, David. Here's a rumor. And it sounds like it has some heat to it. Urban Meyer to Jacksonville. And if Urban Meyer is a serious candidate, Ohio State ties. Is Justin Fields in play at number one instead of Trevor Lawrence? No. No, Not at all. You don't think it's even a a thought? Not even a thought? No, I don't think so either. I think it's a storyline. I think it's a storyline. I think yeah. it's going to sell some. Yeah, it's going to sell some headlines, right? But yep. it's going to be clickbait. But no, it's not even. It, you know, Justin Fields had the best game of Justin Fields' career this last game. All right, that was the best game he's ever had. So he answered a lot of questions about Justin Fields himself and the drop, drop in this draw process. How and think about what's the best? Honestly, what's the best thing for Justin Fields? They don't play the next game because (laughs) coming out of the game he just had, he can't get any better. He can only get worse, and you're going up against Alabama. So, in my opinion – What if he shreds Alabama, though? What if he shreds them? 
cool. I don't know if you get better than what they're talking about him right now. I think I it's just the continuation of what they're saying about him right now. I don't know if he improves what they're saying about him right now. So that's my only thing on that. But that's going to happen. They're going to play the game because we know even if it's not on Monday night, they give them a couple more we a couple more days to get healthy over there. They're playing the game because what it's all about ratings. But no, I think for the number one pick, whoever the future GM is and um, head coaches, I I think Trevor Lawrence when they break down tape and they look into it, it's going to be a no brainer. Just kind of like last year, Barrow was a no brainer. So I think this one is a lock set match type thing. Now talking about their GM process and, and, and like you brought up, is Urban Meyer going to be the head coach? I don't necessarily know. I can't say I know one way or another. I'm tired of the Urban Meyer conversation. I'm not an Urban Meyer fan. You love Urban. I, love I, I'm not an Urban Meyer fan at all. I'm not a guy. I think he cheats everywhere he goes. And in the NFL, he can't cheat to win. So I don't think he really wants an NFL job. I think he wants his name in lights. He's getting the, the names out there. He's setting up for a potential run at a big college job next year. And that's why all this talk is there. He wants to drive his price tag up. I'm hearing he wanted $12 million at Texas. Which is the it, most in the NFL tie with Bill Belichick if that was his, that was his price. Right. Highest and again – I heard that's why Texas decided not to go with him was because they got Sark for five point two million, okay, a year, and they just got done paying the guy that they showed the door a twenty million dollar check to leave. Tom Herman, yeah, yeah. So therefore, they were like, "Dude, Herm, we're not we're not paying you twelve million a year when we got to pay twenty million to open this spot up." And now that Sark came in and took it for five point two, you know, with a two hundred thousand dollar you know bump every year. So, you know, it's a bargain almost for them. So I and again, Urban's trying to play the, the, the Chargers onto Jacksonville to pump up the price. But the Chargers, I think that's a lock set match for the the coach at uh uh Buffalo, the offensive coordinator at Buffalo. Dable. Dable. Yeah, I think uh, we haven't gotten there yet, but I'm just—I think that's going to be a lock You're for jumping them. Jumping ahead, man! You're jumping. I'm ahead. sorry. I'm sorry, but yeah, I for Jacksonville, I think you know I talked to a couple people in the process. I think they're doing their due diligence. I can't say Ur- Urban won't knock off enough to come down to the number they're going to settle at, which I think they're going to pay somebody around six million dollars a year. You know, but that's basically half of what he's asking for. But we'll see. You know, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars would be better suited to hire a general manager, whether it's like a Trent Christian or who we saw at the Texans today or, uh, you know, Ray Farmer, who I talked to a few days ago that they put the slip in for, um, you know, maybe even an Ed Dodds or, or a Jerry Reese. Get that general manager in place. The thing there in Jacksonville they've been missing is a good culture. Find good culture men that can lead that team good leaders and start with a good general manager and then get their input on coach and start getting people that can be like you see up in Buffalo, Brandon Bean and and the coach up there work really well together. You know, you see in San Francisco, John Lynch and Cal Shanahan work well together. So it's like, let's, let's find coaches that work and GMs that work well together and go from there. You know what I wanted to know? I think that this this comment was taken a little out of context yesterday. Uh, Khan, the, the owner from Jacksonville, said something to the effect of, like, I'm going to have this, the final say, at least in the immediate future, when the general manager's hire, blah, blah, blah. I feel like they took that a little out of context because, you know, he should have some say. 
but does that worry you if he's a little kind of like, you know, a little maybe too involved, quote unquote, as an owner? Does that if you're a general manager candidate, does that worry you? Does that make you uneasy? Like what's kind of the vibe there? You got to get a little definition of it because, again, you got to understand this is a guy who hired David Caldwell right. basically on the advice of Polian, Bill Polian. OK, Caldwell's there and then he's not happy with what's going on. So he goes and gets Tom Coughlin to come on top of Caldwell. Now, that marriage didn't last long. So this is an owner who's got very fresh wounds um, and very fresh uh, that he's still licking from all this culture issues, you know, and then you got a head coach who hasn't won much games. And um, you got to imagine he's in there complaining about the, the culture, the GM and Tom Coughlin and all this stuff. And you got all these players trying to leave, you know, like Jalen Ramsey and this in Fournette and stuff. So you got to you walk into that meeting and be like, Hey, I know you want to say on players, but how deep are you going? Are you thinking first round picks? Okay. Owners should have a, a say on first round pick, especially this year, first overall pick. You know, it's going to be a quarterback face of your franchise. You got to be comfortable with that because, you know, if this guy works out to be the dude um, we think he can be, he's going to be here for a decade. And that's your brand. And that's what his business is. And he's putting him in the community. So I get that. But if you're like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to name the 53 man roster. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pump my brakes on how fast I'm chasing that job. You know, because because again, Jimmy Johnson, who's been trying to do that, you know, hasn't won a, uh, or Jerry Jones, who's been trying to do that, hasn't won a title since 1995 when he didn't do it, when Jimmy Johnson did it for him, and now he's taken over and they haven't. So again, it's like I heard somebody today, or no, Big Daddy said, you don't hire this, you know, the pizza guy to pull your teeth, right? Right. So, and I, you know, I think it's the same thing here. It's like you hire experts to do their job. You know, if you're hiring a general manager, hiring a head coach, hire the expert to do the job. And this is why I think Jacksonville should take their time, because I really do think the owner's got a lot of fresh wounds from the the melee of coach and GMs and all the stuff that's been going on in that building for the last eight years. You know, mm-hmm. let him lick those wounds, take some time, relax and find the right culture builders through the building. Yeah, and I, I really like Big Daddy when he was when he was saying that too because I'm a, I'm the biggest believer in departmentalize, trust one another, and let people do their jobs. Like that is my biggest thing, man. Like the minute that you take on too many jobs, not only do you get burnt out because it's a lot of pressure. Let's be honest. But can you really ha- can you really do each of those jobs well if you're just your your attention split, man? Like like find your niche, find your your scope, find your your calling, and stick to it. That's just kind of my thing. Shout well, out to like, you don't, you don't, you know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't, you're not going to hire even Bill Belichick to run your hedge fund. <laughs> you, you know, you, you, he might not be good be, at it. He might be good at it. I don't not know. Not the first year. I would think maybe two, three years in, he would be good at it. I think anything Bill Belichick touches would be good at it after he gets a little feel for it. I went but, without Tom Brady. Woo. Woo. But you know, he did sign Cam, so I don't know about that. Um, but again, you know, it, it's a situation where you don't hire you hire experts to do their job, but you got to be comfortable. Here's what I've learned when I've hired people: you have to be comfortable with who who they are as people. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to communicate with them and trust them with what you're asking them to do, the duties you're asking them to do. If you can't get there with somebody, don't hire them. 
I don't care who the references are. Don't hire them because ultimately it's who you are comfortable with. And at Jacksonville, that culture has been down for so long. Yes, they had the one run where they went to Foxborough. I get that. But before that and after that, that culture hasn't been a winning culture. So you have to finally lay the bricks down to build a, a sustained winning team in Jacksonville. And you got the tools. You got the tools. You got the draft capital. You got the cap space. You have the opening at GM. You have the opening at coach. So right now you're at a very integral part and you got all the tools to do it if you just hire the right people. Well, easier said than done sometimes. I want to shout out though to Damani who is with us live here. Damani said, hey fellas, glad your surgery went well, David, and happy new year to you both. P.S. I think the tight ends will be a big X factor in the title game. Shout out to Damani. He's a great Great guy. Uh, we actually watched a little film together a couple weeks ago. So shout out to Monty. Thank you so much for being in the chat. Anybody else out there, throw out some questions, throw out some talking points. We are here to please, and we appreciate you all again for taking some time with us tonight. X Factor in the national title game. We probably have to do like a full game preview because it knows? might not be a game there might not be a game next week. So there might not know, be a game. There could be, might not be a game. We, pro- we probably should have done a preview tonight. But yeah, I think <laughs> X Factors. Jeremy Rucker was just a, a big-time player this past game against Clemson for Ohio State. The Jalil Billingsley kid from, from Alabama. I know Miller Forrestal is a decent little player too, the redshirt senior. But this sophomore, Jalil Billingsley, who's like kind of like an H-back, but blocks his butt off, man. And he, he's he got some juice to him. He's only 6'4", 230 listed. So he's only 6'4", 250? Well, no, 230, 230. A little light, a little light. No, 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 no. It's only 250. Yeah, yeah. No, no, 230. But the kid is only a, a true sophomore, so just wait for a year or two. He's going to be one of those, oh, one yeah, of those dudes it? coming out of that. 18 now. years old? I mean, yeah, 19, he's... 19 probably, yeah, somewhere in there. So Yeah, he'll be really fine. We should, we should have done a preview tonight, but Damani, we appreciate you throwing in that little tidbit there. Want to move on here. The second overall pick, the New York Jets. So let's take a look at what the Jets got cooking. Sam Darnold not, has not gone great this year. Had a really promising moments in his rookie year. Had some promising moments last year. Been up and down. A couple decent games, though, to end the season. So he ended on an okay note. Adam Gase is finally out of there. Finally. Joe Douglas, it looks like it didn't cost him his job. So that's good. I was happy to see that, that Joe was not out the door with Adam. So good, very good, because I think Joe's going to be a good general manager. Head coach for here, David. This one is interesting. My first thought was, I think this is where you get one of those young gun offensive coordinators. Uh, this is where I think it happens, man. I, I know that there's a couple spots that we might talk about tonight where I might say, hey, maybe a guy with a little more experience, a retread, quote unquote, might be a better fit because a team kind of just needs that sense of been there, done that. And I guess the Jets kind of do need that too. But for me, I think they're they're going to be drafting a quarterback number two. I, I I am a full advocate for Sam Darnold, but I think that they're going to be drafting a quarterback number two. So I think they're going think, to pair him with a. I think that's going to be a mistake. I think that's going to be a mistake. So are I they really trading do. back? Are they trading back, or they're drafting an offensive tackle or something? Like what are they doing? Then? Again, I I haven't done all the film breakdowns, as you know, but I I think you saw one great game from Fields that really set him apart. It was been a very tough year, 
but I still struggle with his decision-making when there's tight coverages and things. He throws into coverage. We saw it in the Northwestern game and Indiana game, two teams that not many players from their, those teams are going to play on Sundays. You see that, that team, their concepts are what confused Trevor, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Justin Fields. So I think when you break down the tape, Hey, just remember three years ago when Sam Donald got, uh, when Dave Gettleman passed on Sam Donald, the New York media was crapping all over him for taking Saquon Barkley and not Donald in that fresh, in that freshman year. You I know, with Don, no, I'm just saying like everybody mm-hmm. loved him. Everybody loved him. The film was great from USC. Everything was good. Everything was great. And now they're ready to throw him out the door. And you're the one that says like, you know, are why are we throwing people away? Like, Get him some playmakers. And again, you're in a position to either take the best offensive lineman in the draft, a guy who uh, that didn't play, that opted out of Oregon, right? Penay Sewell. Yeah, Penay Sewell. Excellent. Yep. You, who could be the next Walter Jones type 10, 12 years left tackle, staple left tackle for your organization. And now you finally are protecting Sam because it's not like Sam's had a ton of time to throw the ball with this offensive line he has in front of him. And then who he's throwing the ball to. Mims didn't come into the freaking season until uh, they were already 0-6. And, and that was supposed to be the guy who was supposed to have all these targets this year. So, again, you have to take – to me, you have to you have to take I, – I keep Sam Donald – I find a coach who wants to work with Sam Donald. If I'm Joe Douglas, I either take the best offensive lineman there or I trade back, collect picks, get more draft capital. But the Jets already have good draft capital for trading the safety over to um, Seattle this year. You know, so they have draft capital from that. They have cap room. They can sign some veteran, like a veteran offensive lineman, maybe a veteran tight end, one veteran receiver. Boom. You know, with that tackle in the draft, then the rest of your draft, you can draft some young defensive players. And here we go. You're a contender. That's a that's a winning recipe. But you don't go over invest because, again, the market to trade Sam Donald, I don't know how high it's going to be. So what kind of draft capital are you going to get to, you know, trade Sam and then take an, another re, you know startup freshman quarter or rookie quarterback? I don't care if it's Fields or Wilson or whoever the hell it is. It's still a rookie quarterback number two, and you got to coach him up. At least Sam's what you're walking in. If you're a coach, you got a guy who's been through three seasons, been through the war a little bit. He knows the schedule. He knows what's going on. If you like the way he throws the ball, you think you can coach him. That's a quicker path to success than starting over with a rookie. I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not disagreeing. Because you're right. I, I feel like some people are not afforded the necessary time to get things going, especially when you've been with Adam Gase for exactly. Years. He's been, like, he's been carrying it, the Gase it. weight. I get it. No, I get it, man. I get it. I I like to I like Sam, and I think Sam's only still 23. So I'm 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 there, man. Like I get it. I get it. I'm just if if they're not taking a quarterback though, and if they're not taking a quarterback, I think you have to trade back. Because I like Penny Soul a ton, but when I look at this this Jets roster, that thing is depleted of talent, especially defensively. You need to get as much draft capital as possible, even though they have a bunch. They still need more, man. They need more. Because outside of Makai Becton, maybe Sam Darnold if you turn him around, and what Quinton Williams defensively, besides for those guys, and maybe Mims at wide receiver, maybe. That's a big question mark. 
What does that team have to build around? There is not much there. No, so, and I, a cupboard is not full, but Joe Douglas just got there after the 2019 draft. It, people got to understand, like, the 2000, was it 19 draft? No, no, 18 20. draft. 18, but when? He, he got he got there after the 2018 draft, Joe. Last okay. year, the 19 draft was his first real draft there. I was That was what he did, right? Like, 2020, 2020 draft. Yeah, sorry, you're right. He got there after the 2019 draft. 2020 right. draft was his draft, so he's only had one draft in the seat. We all on our draft show love what he did there. Absolutely. We thought it was yeah, thought it was great. So hey, I just say, out of the four cornerstone pieces I just said potentially, two yeah. of them from Urban's last draft. So hey, good yeah, job. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and now he's got draft capital, like you said, they got a ton. He's got room on the cap. So let it. Let's see what he does in a free agency where. There's going to be some good free agents in the market. And and again, make the decision to build around Sam. Find a coach that will, even if it's your guy from Carolina that you love, your Brady guy that you like, oh, this young guy. Baby. Yeah, even if it's him, bring him up and let, you know, because I could see Sam Donald working in that Brady system well. Like, I do see that as a good marriage. I think he can work in that Brady system well um, of offense. So, you bring them up, let them pair together. Joe, here you go. Or you can get the, you know, if if Dabo does it, or not, but Dabo. Da, uh, Dabo. Dabo. Dabo uh, <laughs> doesn't go to San, uh, San Diego and the lure of the, the lights in New York is what he wants. He wants to go from Buffalo to, you know, NYC. There's another good pairing too, I think. I mean, so you got to, Again, find a good coach that wants to pair. And if you go with a defense, Biennemi would be another one. Obviously, he's in the mix. Um, you have defensive guys that are in the mix. I, you know, everybody's talking about. Well, we'll talk about San Diego because you got Justin Herbert as being such a good marriage and a great place and a destination to go. I think with Sam Donald, that makes the Jets job and the draft capital and the overall cap capital they have that makes that a good job because it's not. As tr- it's not as hard to turn that place around as some of these other ones we're going to talk about. Brian Dayball with Justin Herbert's what I want to see. I feel like that marriage. I think that's what a lot of people want to see. Yeah, I want to see it. what he did with Josh Allen, man. Jo- Justin Herbert's got a lot of like those Josh Similar. Allen yep. highlights, like the the size, the arm strength, the athleticism, Mo- the mobility. Like, yep, it's it's there. I would love to see that one. We might we might talk about that one later a little bit more. But we're moving on to the Miami Dolphins, who are picking third overall via the Houston Texans, actually. So we're not going to talk about Houston tonight. What a train wreck that organization is right now. They have their young quarterback. They have Tua Tagovailoa, who I was a fan of. I felt like if he was, if he didn't have the injury concerns, and obviously, you know, availability is the biggest ability, right? So, like, that's a big thing. I felt like he had a good conversation to being the first quarterback off the board last year with Burrow. I think that he would have been in that conversation, but there's just, you know, the, the ankle, the hip, like there's just a lot of things working against him. So he was the second quarterback off the board to Miami. And honestly, if we would have recorded this three weeks ago and talked about the future of the Miami Dolphins, two weeks ago, even, everyone would have been like, I feel good about what two is doing, man. Like he, he looks good. Even though he's been benched a couple times, I, I, it, I, I don't know. I think that's more to the staff than anything. I've seen some really nice performances from Tua this year. I he at, at one point he was like four and one as the starter. I know he lost the last game and it got really ugly and he did not perform well. But like, I mean, the guy ended up throwing like I, I think he had fourteen total touchdowns or thirteen total touchdowns and 
four or five interceptions. I'm like five, five, I, yeah, five, five INTs. Five yeah. interceptions. I'm like and two or three of them came in the last game. Right, three of them came in the last game. I'm like yeah. when, before that game, my guy was thirteen touchdowns to one interception or two interceptions. It's like, dude, that's pretty good, you know. And now everybody's hitting panic mode. I've I've seen several mock drafts today that are saying Miami Dolphins need to take a guy at four, at, at three because you don't know if two is the guy or not. You're I, so obviously, David. You can tell by my tone of voice and just what I'm saying. Yes, he's the guy. Get off the panic button. I think that people are jumping off the ledge for no reason here. I agree with you. I, if we had this, if we would have let off like we did last week with the NFC, if we would have done AFC last week, this conversation would have been a lot different than we're having right now, just because of the Bills game and us choosing to do NFC first and over AFC. That's why two is getting this kind of conversation between us. But I think all these Twitterverse, you know, personnel people who've never been in a room and don't understand the value of a good quarterback, true value of a good quarterback, they're so hard to find. I want to, I mean, literally. One show we should put up a graphic where there's all 32 quarterbacks in the NFL, and let's really talk about how good these quarterbacks are and see how many of them we really think are in the top five, top ten, you know, conversation. Because you know what, I don't even know if we'd get there. So you know, right. uh, it, it's just like, and and the Twitterverse just has no accountability, but it's fun to watch, right? So, but yeah, I think to, David to, hates the tweeter. He hates the tweeter. The tweeter is killing me. Yeah, I'm on there, but it's just like get over yourselves. Anyway, so, but I think Tua is like our guy. I think they build around Tua. You know, uh, Fitz has already said he wants out. He's going to go find sign somewhere else and be it. Well, again, Fitz is you know he's going to put what he did this year on the market and go get paid. He's got like. 15 kids so he has a lot of mouths to feed he's got more kids than than philip rivers so i mean he's got a, he's he got actually? a yeah he actually? He, no he's got a ton of kids it's like when he got down with covid they're like i don't know people are like i don't know how he's even you know uh self-quarantining in his house because of all the kids he's got i don't know how he can do it so no i mean fitzpatrick clan is deep so uh but again you know, I think he goes somewhere else. I think two is a guy. And I think what they do is they build around him. They they have to, you know, Chris Greer, who's a great personnel guy. He's been in Miami since I was there in 02. He's, he's been through the wars. He's seen a lot. You got to sit down, address offensive line concerns, address, um, you know, some of their defensive concerns, look for more weapons for Tua and see what, what's going to work out best for him. I think, Upping their tight ends, I don't think. I mean, Mike Gizeki is a, is a receiving tight end, and to me, he's he's just a guy. I mean, he makes some wow catches, but then he also alligator arms some catches too. So you know, you got to look at the. I think upping up the tight end market a little bit for him. I think a good personnel set for Tua is twelve personnel. When he was at Alabama, they used a lot of that. They used a lot of 11. So a couple, a receiver or two down there for him, too, would be good. And then letting the young man flourish. You know? Jalen Waddle. Get Jalen Waddle to Miami, baby. That's what I want to I see. don't know about three. If that was the call and they wanted him, they could trade back and probably get him. And that would be amazing. They have that second first round pick. So you never know. Yeah, what they got two. They do have, they have. They can go offensive lineman first and then second pick. They, on their they, on their own pick, they can pick their best receiver on the board. That's absolutely true. That's a good strategy. Yep, absolutely. So I think I think good things are happening in Miami, man. I know everyone wants to fall off a ledge because they're they're you know la- their last game against the Buffalo Bills. But hey, man, ten and six in the second year under Brian Flores when at like four or five games in last year, I thought the Miami Dolphins might not win a game. 
They looked awful. They looked absolutely awful. And Brian Flores, I think, is a good football coach. I think they're working. I think their offensive line is improving. It's not there yet, but they got a lot, bunch of young pups on that offensive line that are getting better and better. I like what Miami has working, and Brian Flores is a defensive guy, so I think they're in good hands. I really do. So I do. I agree with you. And again, they're one of very few teams that have won ten games and not made the playoffs. One of right. very few teams that have won ten games. Ten games is usually the staple mark. You get to ten, you get in, you get to go to the dance. They got to ten. They missed the dance. But they're very few. They should be very happy what's happening down there in Miami. They they need to just match the playoffs, and so the Washington Redskins aren't playing in the playoffs. You know? Washington oh, Football Club. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, the Washington Football Team rebrand. My bad. My bad. I got you. Um, <laughs> you told one of me because I always call Washington the Skins. My, my my mind went like so many different places when you started talking about Philip Rivers' kids. You know, what was the craziest like parent story thing I've ever heard. You ready for this one? Do you know, you okay. remember Antonio Cromartie? Do you remember this? Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. he's got like seven story? kids. Yeah, but he had like a bisectomy twice, and he just keeps having kids. Yeah, it can't stop him, dude. He yeah, can't he... stop. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had caused some marital strife after the first one because he was like, "Where, who you been with? What's going on?" Oh. And, and the DNA test came out. No, he's yours. And you're, you're like, what? How is that even possible? Right, right. That is, uh, I don't know. I, I just. Yeah, that was the craziest story of all time. So had to throw that one in there because we get off on weird tangents. Fifth overall That's what we do. Cincinnati Bengals. Their young quarterback was very impressive, in my opinion, Joe Burrow, before going down with injury. Coming off major, major injury, though, he tore everything up in his knee. Will they be in search of a new head coach? It doesn't sound like it. But um, Zach Taylor is a guy for me that doesn't really – he doesn't, he doesn't put a lot of confidence into me thinking about a guy like Zach Taylor. Joe Burrow does. How that offensive line is formulated also does not. So I'm looking at this team, man, and I'm just saying, look, can we get a new head coach in there? Can we do it at some point? And then here's another conversation, David. We just talked about Tua. Hey, oh, they need to take a quarterback. I've heard several people say, who knows if Joe Burrow's going to come back? They need to take a quarterback at five if one's available. What do we make of Cincinnati? Because, man, I feel like people's minds are going in so many different directions with well, again, I how do I want to word this? I don't know. That's what I asked you. <laughs> I am not enjoying what I'm seeing out of this young head coach here in Cincinnati. You know, I I, I love what I I mean. I love what I see with the young coaches around the league in Green Bay, in L.A., even in um, at San Francisco. You know, I think there's some great young minded coaches that are doing well and they actually understand how to manage their players. They are understanding how to manage the game situations. Well, this guy in, in Cincinnati, you have a a young quarterback and you're asking him to throw over 40 times a game. I know he was doing well, but you have a ton of money invested in Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. And you have these running backs sitting there. How do you not, how do you not pump the ball and turn your offense into looking a little bit more similar to what you know Cleveland up the road is doing? I mean, you have some similar horses, do similar things, and protect your quarterback. Don't make him throw so much time, especially when you got an offensive line that is not good. Like they are not good up front. So I, I don't know if he really understands. I think he knows how to play call. Does but he, man, Does he? I, you know what? He put 
Burrow early when they were healthy. I watched a few. I watched like the first three games of Cincinnati, and I talked to you about. It. I was like, "Wow, this Burrow kid is freaking really good." And I, some of those play calls were creative. Some of those play calls that he made were were really nice. But once the injury started piling up on him, I think that's where he got out of his element and where he started to really reach for uh, for to do some things. And that and that is a struggle for a coach. You can't do it. And therefore, I agree with you. I think the only reason the guy has a job right now is because the job market, there's six head coaching jobs available and seven GM jobs available. And Cincinnati is a team that never really wants to overpay for a coach. And in this market, you might have to pay a little bit more than you will next year because next year, I don't know if there's going to be as many openings for coaches. So you're going to be the one or two teams, maybe three teams looking for a coach next year. So the, the supply and demand swings in your favor in negotiations. Whereas this year, the, the candidates kind of have a little bit more say right now. Right. And David, do you, have you seen Penny soul in depth in depth yet or no? I have not seen him in depth, but if he lasts to this draft pick, I would, from what Perfect. you've said and the peak I've had on him, I would be surprised. You know, again, if I'm if I'm the Jets, I'm taking them at two and I'm happy because I'm protecting Sam Donald. I'm you know, I got a staple left tackle that's probably gonna be there for twelve years, if not fifteen, and and we're able to, you know, whatever quarterback I have over that time period, they're protected. So oh, man. I, I just Cincinnati for so long looked like they were going to have a top three pick. So they were like in perfect situation. Like you're probably going to get Penny Soul because it's probably going to be a couple quarterbacks off the board early. And now they're in a situation. It's like, man, if they stick a five and Penny Soul off the board, then are you trading back? Because there's not an offensive tackle there in my point, in, in my opinion anyway. But number five where I would be like, yes, I'm drafting him and I'm happy there. Like it's a it's a little bit of a steep drop off from Penny Soul to the rest of the offensive tackle. If I'm – but here's – their their run defense is so shit over there at you know Cincinnati. It's like if I'm sitting there and Micah Parsons is staring me in the face, I'm drafting Micah Parsons because I, I need a I need a no. I'm just saying I'm staying put. It, we talk a lot about offense tonight, which that's the focus of the show is talking about the quarterbacks and stuff. But if I'm sitting there at, at the five spot and Mark Micah Parsons has survived and gotten to number five, and I'm like, well, I can't fix my offense, but I could do a really big thing for my defense right here. You know, or if there's a pass rusher that would be a difference maker, you know, I would look to maybe address that because they they need they need more than just offensive help in Cincinnati. They need a lot of help. Hey man, offensive linemen don't get enough credit. I'm just trying to throw. No, a they don't. No, I, I don't want to talk about wide receivers too much, man. I'm throwing. I'm talking Penny Soul, baby. I think that should be our first when we go into the film room and we start doing that stuff. That's a little tease for you all. Me and David might be doing some film rooms together in the, in the future. We might have to put Penny Sewell on first, David. I think oh, we, we might do it. We could do the top five offensive linemen. I'm down. Like, top five tackles. Let's do it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, ooh, moving down the list here. Moving down the list. Bunch of NFC teams from five to uh, from six to nine. Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos. Drew Locke's their quarterback. They're picking at 10, where in theory – Well, Drew not- Locke's a quarterback according to Drew Locke. Yes. <laughs> the quote is Drew Locke is I'm I would be surprised if I wasn't the guy next year, right? <laughs> well, so um, according, we haven't heard the organization say that, but we heard Drew Locke. Uh, it does I mean, let's be honest, it doesn't matter if the organization says it or not. I heard from the 
Then St. Louis Rams were like, oh, Sam Bradford's our guy next year. Like a week later, he's traded to Philly. I'm like, yeah, he's your guy yeah, next yeah, year. Exactly. All right. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. When he's in training camp, taking staffs with the first team, I will, I'll believe it. So Denver is in an awkward position, though, in my opinion, because picking at 10, and I know we've heard some, some talk about Vic Fangio. It looks like Vic's going to be back next year, which he should. I don't think it's his fault. He inherited – and not very talented team. Defense is playing better. Defense is getting better. They got some offensive skill position players, some young guys. You want to talk about ending the year on a bang? Jerry Judy, my man, over like 140 yards or whatever it was, had a 92-yard touchdown. Like nuts. Nuts last game. Good for him because he was struggling. He had a couple struggling games there, but he still ended with over 800 yards or something like that. So he's going to be fine. They have some running backs there. Philip Lindsay who's a good football player. Uh, Melvin Gordon. They have some guys, Noah Fan at tight end. Quarterback, though, every, a lot of things hinder on the quarterback play because they got Garrett Bowles at left tackle. Offensively on paper, man, like it's not too bad, but 10th overall pick is not usually the range where you get a potential franchise quarterback. So what, what's just the general feeling here, David? I feel like Denver might be on the outside looking in for one of these top quarterbacks unless they make some some dramatic move up the board. Well, I don't – and again, I, if I'm them, I don't know if I'm shopping for a quarterback. You know, I, I – I really don't. I think Drew I think that Drew Lock? you like Drew Lock. You like. I've seen some potential out of the kid, and again at ten, you, at ten, yeah, you would either have to trade up and give up to me, in my opinion, too much to come up and get one of these guys that have question marks. Again, when we talked about it last week, I think Lawrence is the only guy that to me looks like a complete quarterback. I think Fields, I question his ability to read zone coverages and schemes. I think Wilson is is a guy who, again, is missing some some stuff. Trask um, and and your guy from North Dakota State uh, are guys that have you know. I think they fit schemes. They fit schemes. They're not all all together. You know, going to be scheme friendly across the board. So. You know, it's not like you're trading up to get a Dan Marino or a John Elway or even, you know, an Eli Manning or a Peyton Manning you're, or, you know, Philip Rivers. You're, you know, you'd be trading up with some question marks on these guys. So, therefore, at 10, I don't know if you trade the draft capital to go get somebody with a question mark or you stay with the guy you have, build some more team around him, which I would do, um, and, fix and some then, of the, you know, plug then, some of the other holes. And then draft Carson Strong next year. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> well, uh, that means you, because according to you, Carson Strong's and then QB one for next year. So, you know, that means that, that means Fangio will be looking for a job next year. <laughs> uh, hey, and if that happens, it happens, man. You know, it, if it happens, it happens. But, you know, it's interesting that I, it's, that's going to be interesting what they do there because you got Fang, Fangio who knows Champ Kelly uh, from from uh, his days of the bears and champ knows Elway from being at Denver and everybody in the building in Denver. I talked to a lot of people yesterday. They love champ Kelly. They, they, they hope it's him coming back and being the GM. Uh, they, a lot of friends still in that building and knowing the head coach, I think really elevates him to being the, the key person to maybe come back and be the general manager there for the Denver Broncos. So that will be interesting if they actually pull that. I know he's a lead heart, uh, lead horse. And often the first name heard about a job is not the one that gets it. But in this case, I hope it is true because, you know, I don't know him well. I know him a little bit and the little bit I have interacted with him. He seems to be a very genuine, 
great guy, look you in the eye, strong handshake type, give you his attention while he's talking. You're not off thinking about other stuff. So, you know, for me, I really take the character of what I've, the interactions I've had with him and appreciated it. And the people in the building just, they're rooting for him. So I think that would interject uh, a good situation in a building that's not been that good. So. And I know Jesse's not in the chat right now, but he uh, he messaged me on Twitter in a group chat that we're in, and he told me to turn it, turn the uh, get that get the backwards hat out. So if you're if you're looking <laughs> with us live right now, brand new Mav Sports hat. If you want to take a look at that, shout out to David Turner, of course, for sending a a little bit of a Christmas present my way that came in the mail earlier. So very nice new ensemble. I also have a football downstairs that I forgot to bring up. That'll probably be behind me next week. So if you're watching us live, you know what I'm talking about. If you're listening to our podcast, you're like, what is this dude saying right now? So thank <laughs> well, you. If you're listening to the podcast, tune in live next week. <laughs> right, right. If, if you want to know what is going on in our worlds, on our heads, on our backgrounds, <laughs> come live with us. 8.30 Eastern time every Tuesday night on the NFL Draft Bible page. Sometimes it's on my page at Rise and Draft. But either way. We got you covered, baby. We're also on YouTube at the NFL. Um, NFL. I almost said NFL Total Access. Like we're on NFL. <laughs> on. Not yet. We're not there yet. We're growing. We're growing. We're, we're growing. We're growing. We have a big announcement in the works that I've been teasing for like six weeks. It'll be here eventually, though. I promise that you'll be like, whoa, okay, that was that was worth the wait. But moving on now, going to the twelfth overall selection, Los Angeles Chargers. We talked about their quarterback already, Justin Herbert. Set a franchise record, um, not even a franchise record for a rookie. He set a rookie record in general. 31 touchdowns, I think he ended with, 30, whatever it was. He had a phenomenal rookie year after taking over uh, after the first, I think he took over in the second first, game or third game. No, was, I think it was the first game. Was it? Was that when they punctured Tyrus yeah. Long? That was the first one? Yeah. Okay. Right. That was crazy, by the way. We never talked about that too much, but man, what in the world? That whole situation. Crazy situation. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. I have never heard of anything like that in my life. But Justin Herbert, either way, ended up having a great season. He was a first-round pick last year, top-ten pick. He is firmly entrenched as the franchise quarterback going forward. But now we know that Anthony Lynn is out as head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Had a couple nice moments early, but if you've watched the Chargers, especially this, this season, man, they have some weird time management issues. They lose some football games in some terrible ways, and usually when you're losing down the stretch a bunch, that means that some coaching, bad coaching decisions have happened. But so. they won the last four games. They won their last four games. Oh, David. Oh, David, David, David. I mean, some of those games, David, I'm telling you, man, some of them were a little rough to watch from coaching perspective. So whatever. Either way, Anthony Lynn's out. Well, who, who's coming in here, David? Who's going to save the day with Justin Herbert? I already said it. Brian Dayball. Make it happen, baby. Make it happen. Well, like I said, he's the lead dog. Him and, and Telesco actually went to high school together. Did they? And they went to high school together. Where A lot of people aren't, don't know this. They went to high school together. Where are they from? And, huh? Where are they from? I don't know the high school. I just know the story. Gotcha. Uh, they were high school friends. They kind of gone up through the ranks and they've done their things. And, uh, now they're in a situation where Telesco, this is probably the last head coach he's going to be able to hire. You know, if he doesn't get the hire of the head coach right this time, even though he's a good draft pick guy and everything, you know, he's got the team with good talent on it. Um, he's probably going to be out. So he's got to make it win. And why not, you know, bring a nice hot shot 
offensive-minded coach who, again, like you said, the comparables, the comps to the quarterback, he's got it the second, you know, second uh, what seed in the AFC right now, that Buffalo Bills, and what he's done there with, uh, with Josh and come down and do it with Herbert. It's like, wow, why not do it? Um, so I think that's going to be a lock. I think he's going to end up there. Uh, unless the Jets throw a lot of money at Dable to stay in New York, I think you're going to see him in San Diego living the California lifestyle um, and working with Herbert down there in San Diego. Yeah, and I know um, I know the, it, the fan base isn't the best for the Chargers. I know the fan support isn't the greatest in the world. But, hey, man, living in Los Angeles, having a young quarterback like Justin Herbert, like you said, man, there's some talent there. There is Austin Eckler. Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa. Well, then you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna get Darwin James back. Um, I mean, but you are going from the Bills Mafia. Shout out to those guys. That's one of the best fan groups there is in sports. They are to awesome. the to the Chargers, where you're the second team in LA because the Rams and what they've done in their fan base has just been incredible. But but you got a brand new stadium. You got a beautiful place to be. Like I said you got talent through your roster. So. It's gonna. It's a good job. It's a sleeper job. I think people aren't talking too much about it. They are talking a little bit about Herbert, but I think the defense, like you said, you got Joey Bosa, Darwin James. You got some players there, and you got a brand new stadium. So I think you know that it's it's a good job to go hang out in L.A. and you know enjoy the sunshine. Besides for being in the uh, same conference as the Kansas City Chiefs, I think it's a pretty. I, I think I think it's a good destination, man. I I think if I was a coach and I was an up and comer working with Justin Herbert in LA, I feel like that's a really good spot to be in. So Los I Angeles agree. Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, good spot potentially for a young offensive minded head coach. Moving to New England Patriots, they are picking 14th, man, and uh, you know the first losing season since whenever. So I think it's the worst. I think it's the worst season in Belichick's history. Well, I don't think. I, I think the year. I think the year before Brady got there, he was five and eleven, if I remember correctly. Oh, uh, maybe it was a, his first year was worse. Yeah, his first. Yeah, his first year. I think they went five and eleven, and then the next year they had Brady. So okay. whenever that first year was, what I guess two thousand one, two thousand, whatever. It doesn't matter. So <laughs> yes, had a bad year. Cam Newton's not the guy. They had a lot of guys opt out before the season defensively that hurt their depth. Absolutely. They don't, they don't have a ton of playmakers. There are some troubles for this roster right now, to say the least. So. Well, yeah, that's what amazed me on some of the talking heads today were trying to kill Belichick's defense. And I'm like, if I remember correctly, they had nine players, the most in the, any team, opt out before the season started. Yep. And so I'm like, you're going to have some of these guys coming back next year that are veterans. He's got a bunch of salary cap room there in new England to, to go and, you know, go get some veterans that are going to be able, you know, he's going to be able to afford them. He's got average draft capital. I think he's got eight picks or something. So it's not like he's hurting on draft capital. He's a bad drafter anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, he is. Yeah. That's why I said that the big thing for him is that that cap room where he can go shopping and get some salary cap people, uh, our veterans to come up there and, and go with those returning players and then make it all work. So, right. You know, I think obviously they have to fix the quarterback position here. And like we talked about last week, when we we're talking NFC team, you have some NFL teams or NFC teams that have quarterbacks, a Matt Ryan, a 
Drew Sta- uh, Stafford, uh, Matthew Stafford, I'm sorry, that you have some guys that might be on the trading blocks for draft capital. And if you can go get one of them and put them on the New England you know, Patriots, that fixes his quarterback position right away. And that's something I can see him doing because he does have defensive starters coming back off of that uh off their for you know foregoing this season. Right. So, you know, I think he, he he might play play high stakes roulette and go get one of these veteran quarterbacks. You know, he hey fits Fitzmagic might wind up there. Who knows? Oh, stop, stop. He's been with every other AFC East team. So That's why what I'm saying. Why wouldn't hey, he? He's been with every other one. Might not Fitz, <laughs> and Fitzmagic might go there. You never know. Oh, uh, man, I would love to see Matt Stafford in New England. I'm not like I'm not a New England hater like most people, and I really like Matt Stafford. I feel so bad that his career has just been mired in in um under and being underrated just so much because he's just always on ba- bad teams. I would love to see him in New England. I think he would do incredible in New England. So I do too. I'm a huge Matthew Stafford fan and I think he fits their system really well. He has actually he probably has he would be our strongest arm quarterback that's played there since Drew uh since Drew Bledsoe. Oh so, yeah. I mean so I mean I think it would be a great way and he's got three two to three even four more years in him. So if he if he was in New England system, he could play three more years and you know that would be really fun. You you would see the AF the AF <laughs> AFC East just like have the proverbial crap in their pants if they wound up getting Stafford. They'd be like, Really? Really? <laughs> Man, we just got rid of Brady. Now now you got Stafford. You want to talk about adverse and completely different? The AFC East, then comparative to the NFC East, like that would be the most right. crazy adverse ever because you have Miami Dolphins who are a 10 win team and only getting better. Buffalo Bills look like one of the classes of the AFC, maybe outside of the Kansas City Chiefs. And then New England will probably win 10 games because, hey, they have a competent quarterback again. So, and then the Jets, maybe we'll see what the Jets do. I don't know. I right. don't know what to expect of the Jets, but still. And then, you have, then you have the hot potato NFC West or East who nobody wants to win in. It's like six God. games you're in. Oh man, we didn't even talk about that whole situation of them tanking. Pretty oh, that don't even pretty I obvious. Can't, I can't. There. Uh, yeah, I can't. Right, we'll, we'll save that for next week, baby. Last team that we want to talk about before we hit the mailbag for tonight: Las Vegas Raiders. They are picking slated to pick 16th. They actually had a really nice start to the season. Had a lot of issues with COVID. Had a lot of issues with with injuries, especially on the offensive line. They hit a wall. They ended the season not on a great note. Derek Carr is just the guy that I think I think he's a good, solid quarterback, but I think he's one of those guys that maybe you're never going to just fully commit to and say, like, he's our guy for a long period of time. Like, I think that I think that the Gruden Carr marriage is going to end here pretty, pretty soon. I think maybe even this offseason. So the question is, what do they do with this? in this slot because they're picking 16th which is another position that's not great for a quarterback are they in 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 uh potential for a matt stafford also are they going to cherry pick another uh, a ryan fitzpatrick or somebody like a stopgap type of option what does the oakland oakland raiders what does the las vegas raiders do here david don't be surprised if the marriage that ends this offseason is the mayock that's what everyone's saying yeah. The Mayock and uh, Gruden marriage, I, you know, that might end this offseason. Um, that being said, 
You know, I don't think they would go outside the organization to hire someone to take over from AOC. There's some people that are very qualified internally that would, I think, fit and just kind of groom up to the, the position. And I don't know if they would even call it a GM position or a vice president of player personnel type where they just run everything on that side um, of the building. So, you know, that's the marriage I think is more likely to end this offseason than the car one because their draft, again, they're drafting so late. And back there, you are looking at maybe a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trash only being left on the board. You know, wow. I think the other guys, the other top three will be off by 16. So, you know, I don't know. Top three or even four might be off by 16. So I don't know who's left back there. That makes sense. Now, if your North Dakota State kid is still there at 16, um, and that, that would be interesting because I think he fits – uh, it fits their scheme well, and I think he would. He would. He, he he could. He could be somebody they take a shot with. And he's the only. He's the only guy to talking about the top four potentially, right? We're talking about Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, Justin Fields from Ohio State. We're talking about Zach Wilson from BYU. We're talking about Trey Lance from North Dakota State. I know you're spitting, but I'm just laying the four <laughs> guys out there that are widely considered the top four. Trey Lance is the only one that's played in a pro style system. Which I think people don't talk about, but that matters. That absolutely it does matter. It does matter, especially yeah. to a guy like Rudin. Especially to a guy like Rudin, that matters, and he does. Well, you're right. It's a pro style system. That's why I said it fits his system. He's a you know he's a kid that I think you you got car under contract. You're not forcing him into into play. It's a good value pick. You know, on Friday Night Scout School this Friday night, we're going to be talking about how to value draft picks and how to value, uh, you know, free agency and what you pay free agents, how you how you value down here in that fifteen to twenty range. That North that North Dakota State guy is a, a quarterback is a good value. You pick him there, especially in a situation with the, like the Raiders. You don't have to start him right away. He can sit a year behind Carr. Then they can divorce Carr next year. They have a guy already in their system, schooled up for a year, and you're moving forward. You already got a running back of the future on your staff. You got a good young receiving core coming up. So tight you got ball. some. Their tight end is great. Waller, yeah, Derek Carr. Yeah, as long as he stays sober, he's great. You know, so it's Whoa. a situation. <laughs> no, no, it's true. I mean, it, it's a very well known fact. Um, and and I and I applaud him for coming back from the demons he's come back from. Like, don't get me wrong, that wasn't a slighted hand there. It was just, you know, he's he's got a lot of press, he's got a lot of people now coming around him. You're living in Vegas. So let's just keep the straight and narrow kid, because you're obviously an impressive talent when you're sober. So let's just keep it going. That was what that was. That was more of that a boy than anything. Um but and on defense, they have to fix corner, they have to fix some positions there. Um, but yeah, you could that, and and that's what I'm saying. Like they're they're in a position where they can take the quarterback there, and and sit him for a year, not press him. In, so they're in a good position to make something happen at that position right there. Not being forced into action is good for that kid too. Yeah, I want to do a quick a quick little experiment here, David, because we only have a couple questions in the mailbag, so I don't think it's going to take us too long. So I'm looking at these top 16 teams. I'm going to roll through them real quick. I'm just going to say a team and guts. Will they draft a quarterback? Okay. I just want, I'm just, just for my general knowledge here. Ready? So I'm going to go roll through these. First one, obviously Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. New York Jets. No. Miami Dolphins. No. Atlanta Falcons. No. Cincinnati Bengals. No. 
Philadelphia Eagles. No. Detroit Lions. No. New York Football Giants. No. Carolina Panthers. Yes. Denver Broncos. No. Dallas Cowboys. No. Los Angeles Chargers. No. Minnesota Vikings. No. New England Patriots. Yes. San Francisco 49ers. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Yes. (laughs) Las Vegas Raiders. Yes. So according to David Turner, there's going to be one, what was it, two quarterbacks in the top ten? <laughs> we know that's not going to happen. Come on, David. I don't oh, like man. the quarterback class, so there you go. All right, all right. David Turner's bias. What else is new here? What else? Well, I don't like the class. I don't think it's deep. I don't think it's a, a bunch of red, pop pop the top, ready to go type kids, you know? So so I, I, I have a hard time putting them in the first round. I think those are – when you have question marks on quarterbacks or anybody – they're, you got to push them back toward the back end of the first round, going into the second round. Even Drew Brees, the big knock on Drew Brees was his height. Couldn't he do it? He was the first pick in the second round. You know, that's the kind of thing. Like San Diego Chargers took LT, number one, that pick they had. Next pick they took, Drew Brees. You know, and they wound up having them in San Diego for a little while, but now Drew Brees has turned into Drew Brees and and LT is LT, and they were both Hall of Fame-style players. So they both are going to wear gold jackets, right? And so I don't think – I'm just saying value, and again, we'll get into this when we do Friday Night Scout School this week. The value of a player when you have question marks on them isn't, to me, a lockdown first-round pick. You have to – if you're the general manager, you have to be able to digest the board across the makeup and know what's the best value for you. Like Chris Ballard did when he took Quentin Nelson, a guard as high as he took, I think it was the highest guard had gone. That, that guy was the best player in that draft. Well, I'm saying he, he was the best, you know, offensive lineman in the draft for sure. And he took him where he took him and it's, and it helped build an incredible offensive line in Indianapolis now. But a lot of people were like, Oh, a guard's not going to go that high. It's a guard. It's a guard. Chris Ballard's like, dude, like you said, it's the best player on my board right now. And it's out of position I need. I'm looking at my board. I'm taking the guard. And in this year's draft, there's receivers. There's some running backs. There's, you know, a tight end in, in Florida that's really good. And a couple other th- tight ends. Really. So I think when you boards get sorted out, I don't see the quarterbacks looking like something they can't pass up. I think they can be second round picks. They could still turn into good players, but they're going to be picked in the second round. David, and a lot of a lot of young kids take that as a slap in the face, but it's like, man, right. you're picked in the second round. You're a top 60 player in, in this country. Even if you're picked in the third round, you're a top you know, 100 player. Like, that's not a slap in the face. It's not. No, it's absolutely but, not. But so many, I mean, oh, no, I didn't get picked in the first round. Oh, poor baby. Be Carson Wentz. Go suck on your thumb. You got a hundred million dollars. You got a hundred million dollar contract. Go get a golden, you know, a golden pacifier. David, quick trivia because you love trivia here. What what, co- what college did Quentin Nelson go to? Oh gosh. Oh geez. 
Uh, you wouldn't be wearing the sweatshirt of this college, would you? Uh, ah, no, ah, never heard of it. You, never heard you of and your, yeah, you with the with the coach that you keep you keep wanting to fire the coach now, which is thank God you finally got on that train because that yeah. you know Brian Kelly needs to go, but not oh, for yeah. Urban Meyer. Not you, for Urban Meyer. Did you hear they did interview Marcus Freeman for their defensive coordinator position though from Cincinnati? Did you hear about I that didn't one? hear that, but I'm yeah. sure you applauded that. Oh, absolutely. It was wonderful. For a second, I was okay with Brian Kelly for a minute. So, yeah, I applauded it for, for extreme measure. And they just got a transfer quarterback from Wisconsin. David, if you want to tune into Locked on Irish, today would be if you're listening to us on a podcast. My God, listen to my listen to me rant about Notre Dame taking a damn transfer quarterback when they had a great <laughs> freshman quarterback coming in. But, hey. Let let's I love average. Let's bring average in. I love average. We just got rid of Ian Book. And I saw Joe on Twitter. I saw Joe bait you on Twitter today. He always baits me. That's that's just Joseph right there. So want to get into a couple of mailbag questions before we get out of here tonight. It's not too late to ask Maverick Sports Consulting to grade your tape and consult you in the decision if you should declare for the 2021 NFL draft. We know decision day is coming on January 18th. It's a troubling time with a lot of uncertainty. Why not hire an expert to help you guide you through this life-altering decision? David has 18 years of professional football experience, over a decade of NFL experience. Lean on his experience to make sure you're not making a misstep in your life. Don't wait. Sign up today at MaverickSportsConsulting.com. We are taking a look at some of the mailbag. Shout out to everyone that gave us the mailbag question of the day. So... There's a couple good ones here. Really, really good ones. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to start with at dadboys underscore 22. He asks, do you ever think we see a split between the power five and group of five where they have separate playoffs? I thought this was interesting, David, because I actually would, I never thought of that. Like I heard someone say before, like, oh, let's take the power five champ and the group of five champ and let's have them duke it out for the, you know, just for another game. I think that's interesting, though. I would actually kind of like to see that just for my general pleasure of viewing. I don't know if it's actually good for college football or good for the players. I mean, obviously for the group of five kids that think that they're underrated and not getting the, the, you know, the matchups that maybe they deserve like a Cincinnati or like somebody like that. Coastal Carolina is like those teams that pop up every year. It might be cool to see them in a game against the national champ of the power five, but for just for my general viewing pleasure, I would personally love it. Yeah, I don't think, there's any incentive for the SEC, ACT, you know, the Power Five Absolutely teams. Not. There's Absolutely zero to, to put their kids into another game, potential injury situations, you know, especially once they've been crowned national champion because this would have to be a national champion versus national champion type game. And I don't think that the, the Power Five has any interest in that. I think, like you said, it, all the benefit would be for the uh, – Viewers. Yeah, the viewers and the and the kids. Well, like you said, this kids is from like a Cincinnati being able to line it up and try to beat Ohio State and them and uh, say, see, we should be the overall national champion. Now, should they have their own national championship? I think that would be fun. I think if they did a, a four-team playoff and the Power Five had their four-team playoff, it would be fun. And I think it would be fun to talk about. But, you know, as far as them having a game at the end of that versus each other, I don't think they're, that makes any sense for the Power Five. Yeah, I don't think it makes any sense to have a game after the two playoffs. But what they should do is expand the playoff. That would be great. We could solve a lot of problems that way. Cincinnati would have been in this year. So, hey, there's your group of five team. 
What a well, lot. Again, again if, if they expand the playoff, to, you know, this year the bowl, the bowl series were all dead anyways this year. So I mean, they could the next year come back instead of worrying about the bowl games and you know all that, they could just go and expand the playoff and do do it different. But they, they should have named all, a lot of money. Bowls, most of those balls, they should have just named the opt out ball because that's what it was at that point. My God, oh, some yeah. of those games, I was just like, like even Florida, like I bust on Kyle Trask a little bit, but like. Who wanted to watch that offense without Pitts and Tony? Like that was boring, man. Like, or Grimes, boring. yeah. It was Grimes. Like, like it's just not fun. It's not fun. And then, yeah, and then you have the coach who doesn't run the football. It's like you got these two horses that didn't opt out. You got these two running backs back there, and you didn't use them at all. Like, and then he's being talked about in other other situations. Like, as the pro teams were talking about him, like, did you not watch that game where adversity hit? Injury, it was an opt out game, but like, say injury hit. And look, he totally got out coached. And I, this is a guy that I was I was enjoying watching him coach this year. But he a lot of decision making in that one game. Good lord, that was terrible decision making. Yep, absolutely. So I, I would like to see it. I don't know how you format it, but it's definitely an interesting thought. Maybe we can get the wheels turning on that that playoff that should have been happening already at this point. But you know, that's another story for another time. Matt Alquizzi, Quizza. I'm sorry, Matt, if I'm pronouncing that last name comparably wrong. He's asking for pros and cons of of Trey Lance. I can go through like just rattle off a couple. Like obviously, me and David talked about. He comes from comes from a pro style system, which that that matters. Okay, that matters. They get young man is six foot three, two twenty five. He looks the part. He's very athletic, and I will say this, and I don't care who agrees, disagrees. That guy might have the strongest arm in the 2021 NFL draft, including Trevor Lawrence. My boy can spin it. Absolutely. Accuracy, for the most part, is pretty solid, too. Where he falls apart is some of the footwork issues. His lead foot sometimes is not pointed towards the target, which makes his lower body and upper body a little disconnected. He's a little bit of an arm thrower sometimes, not throwing from a great base. His base is is a little inconsistent. Okay, and then obviously the big knock's going to be you're playing against FCS teams every week. Yes, you're the best athlete on the field, but for you, Davis, uh, David, maybe you could just throw in this. Does it worry you taking a quarterback from FCS? Because I know there's some coaches, some general managers maybe even, that will say, I want a guy that's playing Power 5 football, 30 starts, looks the part, like kind of the Parcells way of thinking. Right, and this all goes down to system and criteria, right? Joe Flackle, who was a transfer, but he mm-hmm. played at Delaware, obviously came in and did his thing for a long time in the NFL. But there's not many quarterbacks outside of that in modern era, modern you know history that uh, we've seen from the SEF level that have had a lot of success. You know, we've seen a few. I'm not going to sit here and say we haven't. We have seen a few. Now, in this situation, I think you got a very unique young man that has some great skill set and traits. Um, I think he fits good systems, but the value for him, for me, if I'm making the call, is if I have a starter like a Matt Ryan, Stafford, Carr, where I can sit him behind that guy for a year, two years, and then take you know take him out for a ride in some preseason games and and see what he can do and let him do some spot duty in the regular season games but not a situation where he has to walk in and start right away and especially if you're in a situation like you know bringing him into i don't know um 
say like the Jets or something, a big city, big lights, a lot of media pressure to be good right away. You know, I, I just think that's a bit much. You know, you have to you have to start to gauge character ability to handle that. You have to start to gauge a little bit more of that kind of stuff. I think, you know, from the stuff I've read and seen on him a little bit and a lot of what I've heard from you, I mean, I think he's got some good traits and tools. I just don't know if he's ready for, you know, if he's ready for prime time just yet. Prime time. I was about to say prime time. Yep. He yeah. might not be ready for prime time. I agree with you. I, he's a guy that I think needs to get, you know, kind of brought up slowly, but I think he could pay huge dividends, man. Well, that's why I was th- like when we talking about that, between that 15 to 20 mark, I think his value becomes interesting because if you have a good quarterback and you can sit him in that market, you know, that around that range. I mean, yeah. think about this. Think about if New England can keep their first round pick but still get Matthew Stafford somehow and then draft him behind Stafford. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear and then you. you got you got two guys sitting there that, you know, and now you have your, you know, the next quarterback of the future behind Stafford. And I I think Atlanta has the fourth pick in the draft. Now that's that is pretty high to draft a quarterback that's not probably going to contribute to you on the first year, especially with Matt Ryan in building. But I would love to see him in Atlanta somehow. If they maybe if they trade back and they get some picks and they they can send him behind uh, Ryan for a year or so, like that's a situation that I would really I, like to see. I won't uh, be surprised if Matt Ryan's not in the San Francisco jersey next year. I already told you that. Hey man, you get you get maybe a first round pick and something else, and one of those picks is Trey Lance. Like, I'm all right. I'm all right with it. We'll see what happens, though. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of things to be decided with the Atlanta Falcons. So let's that's kind of a to be determined. I want to run through a couple questions very easy, uh, very quickly here because we have one that I want to get to for the both of us. Vinny Calderon at Senso NFL S need your top five linebackers of 2021. Vinny, I don't have my list in front of me. Guys, off the top of my head, Micah Parsons is number one. Number two for me is Nick Bolton. I love Nick Bolton from Missouri. I really do. I think he is Devin Bush reincarnated. I think he's going to run a lot faster than people think, though. I don't think he's going to run 4-4-3 or 4-4-4 like, um, like uh, Devin Bush did, but I think he's going to be a 4-5, 4-5-5 type of guy. Like I think he's pretty fast. So yeah, uh, have him at number two. Zaven Collins from Tulsa is another guy that I really enjoy a lot. Dylan Moses would probably be somewhere in maybe at five just because he worries me a little bit from Alabama. He's just a little bit of a slow processor, but he's definitely a nice athletic guy. Uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromo would be in that top five if we're labeling him as a linebacker. I am because I think that he, no matter what you want to phrase him at from Notre Dame, he is a dynamic second-level defender who's got that safety linebacker hybrid type of role. But whether you're going to play him as a undersized Sam in the vein of a Shaq Thompson or as a weak side linebacker, I think he brings a lot of things to the table. So big fan of him. Craig Forsall asked if the, um, there are any players at the that are going to be at the College Gridiron Showcase. One guy, Craig, that I just wanted to highlight real quick is I really think that he's a little undervalued, and it's because he didn't have a season this year, and he's actually a Division II kid. Zach Davidson, the tight end um, out at Central Missouri. So this kid's got a crazy story, David. He's listed at six foot seven, 245 pounds, tight end, averaged over 20 yards a catch last year, had almost 900 yards, had like 15 touchdowns or something. Also, a three-time all-conference punter for the team. So very odd little background there. But Zach Davidson, he's never, he's not gonna be an inline guy, especially early on. He's got that kind of slighter frame because he's a tall, angular kid. 
But man, he he's got some juice. I'm telling you, he's got some juice. He um I, I think he's got a shot as a movement piece. I think he's gonna be a guy that might be drafted late day three and and just develop and see what you have because he's not ready physically to to compete, especially near on the line of scrimmage with some of those more powerful defensive linemen and, and some linebackers to the second level. But my guy's got movement skills and he's got that six six, six seven frame that NFL teams are gonna love at the tight end position. So that's one guy at the College Gridiron Showcase that I know has already opted into that. So take a look at Zach Davidson, tight end from Central Missouri. Last question of the night before we get out of here. I know we just had a question pop in, David, that said, which NFL team not currently with a top five pick do you think is most likely to trade into the top five for the new franchise quarterback? Which So we've been talking about quarterbacks a lot today. So I'm looking at my list right now. Most likely to trade up for a quarterback. Not a top five team. Most likely to trade up. Into the top five for a quarterback. Hmm. Carolina. Yep. yep you think it's fine. Carolina? Dude, I think I think we've seen through the latter stages of the season, because Teddy Bridgewater actually got off to a solid start. Teddy Bridgewater just is what he is. He's not terrible, but he's not good either. Like He's just solid. He's just okay, which is fine. But is Teddy Bridgewater ever going to really make you not try to upgrade the quarterback position? Like, I don't think he's that guy. And their offensive line, you know, could be upgraded some spots. You know, they have a couple nice pieces, though. Taylor Moten, who I think is a free agent, but they're probably going to try to bring him back at all cases, um, at, at the best case here. They have some guys in Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. That offense is ready. They just spent all their draft capital last year also on defense, so we're going to see if that continues to develop. Uh, Looks like Jeremy Chin, Derek Brown are are some nice pieces, though. So they might be in a position where they're like, we have all the offensive weapons ready to go here. Our defense is going to be improving because they're young, and they started playing better at the latter stages of the year. Obviously, we're going to continue to upgrade the defense, though, in general, especially at the cornerback position. But why aren't they a team that says, hey, man, let's go get our quarterback? Let's do it because Teddy's not the long-term answer. And even if, even if, like, say it's a Trey Lance, like we take a shot here and we trade up for a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields, whatever, a guy that maybe might need to sit for a little bit, you have Teddy under contract. So, and he's not costing you a ton. It's a it's a team friendly deal. So you sit, stick with Teddy for one more year while you groom your guy. And that, for me, is a destination that is pretty quarterback friendly, and I think a good destination for one. Yeah, you know, I see what you're saying. I don't Carolina coming up is going to cost them some, so it's I'm really going to be interested in who would they come up for. That would be my my take because I don't think they have I don't think they would trade up into the top 5 for a Zach Wilson. I think they get him outside of the top 5. So if they're trading up, they're trading up he's, to get He's going too, I hear. I hear he's going too, man. Yeah, so you hear cuz you listen to the tweeter. But <laughs> Uh, I don't listen to but you know, if he trade if they trade up, they would have to be trading up to get Fields, which again, Fields would have to slice Alabama left and right in order for I think that to happen. For somebody to put that kind of value on not taking him, I mean, if you're there and you take him, that's one thing. But trading up to get him, you know, Peter King was talking about maybe a team trading up to second pick to get him if if you know, the giant or the Jets are going to stay with Sam Donald. I was listening to Peter King. He's like, you're probably going to have to trade up two ones and maybe a three or something to come up and get them. 
And if Carolina is trying to go up to get him, I, I don't see them trading that much draft capital to get a Zach Wilson. Okay. Now to get a Justin Fields, you know, that, that would have to be the call. If they like Fields enough in that system and think he's the nitrous to, you know, with all those other players that you're talking about, if he's the nitrous, then, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be the, that would be the pick if they see the value there. But I, I don't, I mean, I think you, I mean, cause I think you can get Wilson maybe at, at, you know, six or something in there versus going into the top five and paying that kind of price for him. You know, it'd be fun for the, uh, for the Panthers as well. Cause you imagine, just picture this for a second. So you, you don't take a quarterback, you stick with Teddy for a year or whatever. All right. So we got Robbie Anderson. We got DJ Moore. We got Curtis Samuel. We got Christian McCaffrey, Mike Davis behind him at running back. Hey, you know what? Pick nine. Take Kyle Pitts, throw him in at tight ends. Exactly. Yeah. That'd be some fun. That would be some fun. I don't know if Pitts makes it tonight. He might not. He might not. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's a value. I might come up and get Pitts because he's a special player. Um, But again, yeah, that, like, now you're talking good value for a player and skill set and number one player, number one tight end off the board, trading up to get him to add to that offense makes a little bit more sense and value for me. I'm very interested to see how Pitts tests because I know he's going to jump out of the gym. I want to see what he runs. I think he's going to run like high four fours, and everyone's going to be like, "Whoa!" I don't know if he runs high four fours. I think he's a four five guy. Low four fives? Can I get low four fives? Four five two? Low to mid. Low to mid. Low to mid. Like four five two, four five five. You know, I can deal with that. I can deal with that. I want to see somebody get close to that Vernon Davis, like four three eight or whatever the hell he ran. <laughs> that was nuts. Oh, man. that's yeah. That's like, not gonna happen. That was one of the craziest combines I can remember, man. I was like younger too, and I'm like, he just ran what at 245 pounds? What did he just run? Four three eight? Crazy, crazy. We finished under <laughs> an hour and a half here tonight. So we want to thank you all so much. The the questions were great. The Interaction was great as always. Make sure you like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm at Rise and Drift on Twitter. David is at Mav underscore sports. Make sure to check out MavSportsConsulting.com and make sure to check out NFL Draft 5 where we have everything that you need. NFL Draft, college football, NFL, this, the, the world, uh, the business, sport, sports world in general, but yeah, obviously we have the NFL, the NFL, NFL umbrella. So make sure to check out both those great sites. We appreciate you all. So much for taking some time with us tonight. We are back at it this Friday night, 9 o'clock Eastern time for Friday Night Scout School. We're talking trade value versus draft value. So check that out at NFLDraftBible.com. Make sure to sign sign up for that today. Again, appreciate all the questions, the interactions. As always, we'll be back next week. Same time, same place. You all enjoy your week. We hope you had a great vacation. Uh, If you went somewhere over over the uh, holiday break, And we thank you all again so much for your time. David, say goodbye to the people before I end the broadcast. (laughs) See you all later. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media. Share your thoughts on today's episode. And tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick.sportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.